0: You don't know, man. You weren't there. The USA and Vietnam. The first question you have to get your head around when you're trying to get a handle on the whole Vietnam situation is why did America get involved in the first place? If you look at a map, you can see that Vietnam is 3,000 miles away from the USA. This is not like Cuba. 90 miles off the coast of the continental United States. This is a very, very long way away. So how on earth did the USA end up in Vietnam losing a war? Perhaps it's easier if we backtrack and start with a little bit of background about Vietnam. The conflict in Vietnam has its roots a long, long time ago. It starts as a colonial issue. Vietnam is a country which had been occupied by the French. This was done as part of the 1800s massive scramble for territory and resources in Southeast Asia. The French stay in control of Vietnam up until the Second World War, where the Japanese invade. The French scarper, the Japanese take over. The Vietnamese people, who'd already been struggling against the French, turn their attentions towards the Japanese and they try and kick them out, quite successfully. They launch a long guerrilla war. If you're not sure what a guerrilla war is, check out the podcast we've got on the different tactics used. The section about the VC will explain to you exactly what a guerrilla war is. But for the purposes of this conversation, all you need to know is that the Vietnamese helped defeat the Japanese in 1945, and the Japanese leave. At that point, The French roll back up. As you can imagine, the Vietnamese are not very happy about this. they have been fighting a long and bitter war for independence from invaders. They're not going to welcome back their former colonial masters, especially colonial power that just went and left them. The Vietnamese struggle against the invaders had been led by a man called Ho Chi Minh originally a school teacher, trained a long time ago as a chef in Paris, but more importantly than that, had spent some time in Russia, where he had become a communist. This is important, because this triggers something that's been part of American foreign policy since Harry S. Truman, and that is the policy of containment. We'll talk in slightly more detail about what that means later on. But all you need to know at this point is, because Ho Chi Minh is a communist and he is fighting against the French, the USA starts supporting the French to the tune of $500 million. It doesn't make any difference. By 1954, the French give up and leave. And Vietnam is divided. It's partitioned along one of the parallels on the map. North Vietnamese is given over to the communist government. South Vietnam is supposed to be given free democratic elections to sort out its own form of government. Now at this point, it's taken on an international dimension. Soviet Russia, the USSR and China, which has had its own revolution and is now communist, support North Vietnam. USA is supporting the South Vietnam. Now here's the interesting thing. If you remember all the stuff about the start of the Cold War, you will remember the arguments between the USA and the Soviet Union about the issue of free elections in Eastern Europe. The USA claimed that all of those countries in Eastern Europe should be allowed to choose their own government. The USSR installed their own communist regimes there. This is a major test of the USA's integrity. They have two choices. They can either allow free democratic elections in South Vietnam, free democratic elections which it is blatantly obvious that the communists will win, or they can ignore their own policy and install a puppet government. Of course, they go for the second option. The Diem government, which is put in, is massively corrupt and deeply, deeply unpopular with the Vietnamese people. Why? Why is the USA involved in propping up this corrupt regime? Why is it so important to them to stop South Vietnam from becoming communist? Well... There are, broadly speaking, four reasons. The first we've already talked about, and that is the policy of containment. This was originally put together by Harry S. Truman after the Second World War, and has been followed by all the presidents since. The idea of containment is that you stop the spread of communism. They saw how communism spread across Eastern Europe, and they don't want the same to happen in Asia Therefore, you do everything you can to keep communism contained, boxed in, locked down. The second is what's called the domino theory. Now the visual here is very simple. You know how it goes. You set up a set of dominoes, one next to the other, next to the other, next to the other. And then you press the first domino and it topples. And it hits the second domino, which topples, and hits the third domino, and so on ad infinitum. And eventually you end up with a big mess in the floor and dominoes everywhere. The idea here is that Vietnam is the first domino. If it falls entirely to communism, the influence of communism will spread. And other countries in Southeast Asia will also fall. Remember, China has already gone. So they are worried about Laos, about Cambodia, about Burma, about Thailand, possibly even about India. And if that happened, you're then talking about losing the entire eastern hemisphere to communism. Therefore, it is vital, according to the domino theory, that you stop that first domino from toppling. The third reason is the idea of domestic politics. And this is really very, very simple. In American politics, you cannot lose votes by being hard on communism. The harder you are on communism, the more votes you will get. Now, this is particularly important for any politician who comes from the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party in America is the left-wing party. They are therefore seen as being weak on communism, slightly suspect, possibly soft. Therefore, if you are a Democratic president like John F. Kennedy, then it is in your best interests to appear as hard on communism as you possibly can. The fourth reason is slightly more complicated and a little bit controversial, and it can basically be summed up as this. Did some Americans want a war? When President Eisenhower left office, he gave an address. In that address, he warned of something called the
1: military-industrial complex.
0: Let's listen to what he said.
1: We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist.
0: So what he's saying is that the confluence of arms manufacturers and the armed forces, the entire defence establishment of the United States, requires a state of almost constant military readiness to justify its existence. It is good for the economy to have a war. It is good for the arms manufacturers to have a war. If you are not having a war, then the army has no reason to exist, and a lot of them will find themselves out of a job. Now, how much of an impact this has on the decision-making process is, as I said, controversial. Some historians put down the military-industrial complex as the fourth main factor in driving the USA into involvement in Vietnam, especially military involvement. Some other historians aren't quite so convinced. This is one of those ones you have to make your own mind up. However you need to bear it in mind when we start talking about Operation Rolling Thunder and also when we're talking about the cost of the war. When you hear those numbers, I need you to remember that those numbers are going into the pockets of some business somewhere. So, the broad policy is set by Dwight D. Eisenhower, the president in the 1950s. And they pump in... uh, $11.6 $11.6 billion in aid to the DM government. When John F. Kennedy is elected in 1960, he simply continues with that same policy. However, DM is replaced by a military government. There's an entire other issue about the assassination of President Diem and whether the CIA was involved there. Again, without wishing to get too conspiracy theory about it, you need to remember that this is the same CIA that's been plotting the assassination of Fidel Castro for a very long time. The only difference here is that Diem actually dies, and that competence is not really the hallmark of the CIA in this period. By 1962, America is sending military forces to Vietnam. They are called advisors, but they are military forces. However, Kennedy is clear that he does not intend to be involved in a war in Vietnam. But in November 1963, in Dallas, President John Fitzgerald Kennedy is assassinated his vice president, Lyndon B. Johnson, takes over. Broadly speaking, in American politics, people are labelled as either hawks or doves. The doves believe in peace. They want to negotiate. Hawks want war. Johnson was significantly more hawkish than Kennedy had been. He certainly wasn't as opposed to the idea of a war. And in 1964, a provocation occurs. In the Gulf of Tonkin, the USS Maddox is fired upon by Vietnamese ships. Or at least that's the story. Like everything else in history, it's slightly more complicated than that. You see, people aren't entirely sure whether the Maddox was actually fired upon, or simply thought it had been fired upon, and therefore returned fire, thus triggering an attack. In either case... The President is told that an American ship has been fired upon by the North Vietnamese. This enrages him. It enrages everybody. It enrages public opinion. The US Congress, their equivalent of our Houses of Parliament, pass the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution. And it's worth knowing what that says, word for word. The Gulf of Tonkin Resolution says that the President can take all necessary measures to prevent further aggression and achieve peace and security. That's a blank check. That allows President Johnson to do whatever he wants. And indeed, on the 8th of March, 1965, 3,500 marines put down their boots on the ground of Vietnam at Da Nang. And America is at war. So broadly speaking... There are four reasons that America got involved in Vietnam. The first was the policy of containment. The second was the idea of the domino theory. The third was domestic politics. And the fourth, although slightly more controversial than the other three, is the idea of the military-industrial complex. In your answer... All you need to remember is that it is some mixture of those four. You need to decide which you think was the most important and talk about that. Thank you for listening and good luck with your exams.